I want to welcome you today to our talk on a fellow who had a tremendous impact in my life when I was going through a very, very difficult and deep time. Uh, this man is Indian, and it's interesting. Uh, Paul Jordan, who set this thing up that you're looking at, uh, his parents are navigators and they were missionaries to India. And then I, when I look over the top of this computer, I see Anne, who grew up in India, uh, who is our part-time secretary. Uh, so I'm the only one here that's, I've never even been to India. Uh, so I, this is the story or the life, I wanna give you this, see, you can see this picture of Sadhu Sundar Singh uh, whether that's close or not, but he uh, had a tremendous effect on my life, and I want to tell you why. The scripture says, he that walks with wise men are wise. And uh, reading Hudson Taylor's life, which we did first, uh, really gave me a, a different perspective on giving and money. It was very, very helpful to me in my whole life. We have followed um, guidance, not that we followed him exactly, but we really tried to put money where it belongs and not where it doesn't. And then Sundar Singh came in my life, and my life is very similar to his, and yet so, so different. Um, and so I want to share with you, because I know that he can bless you, Paul has put a movie of Sundar Singh's life on the video here. And it's a full feature length movie and it will bless you. So a lot of his life, I don't have to go into because you're going to see it. A lot of the things that happened, but I wanna take highlights that really affected my life uh, dramatically uh, from his life. When Sadar Singh was um, 14, um, he decided, well, I, I'll, I'll go back. When Sundar Singh was about eight years old, seven and eight years old, uh, his mother was very, very religious and they were Sikhs. And the mother, uh, kind of took him under her wing. He was very close to his mother, but a sort of estranged from his father. He very much uh, honored his father and saw his father. He was over the family and all of that. And Sundar Singh was in a wealthy family uh, and it had everything that he would ever want. But his mother was very religious and she had him memorize uh, when he was seven, not quite eight years old, the Gita, and uh, took him to a man, uh, um, a holy man, and uh, he was very excited because he was, the Gita is a little bit longer than the New Testament, and he had memorized it from Genesis, uh, not Genesis, but from Matthew to Revelation, he had memorized the whole Gita, and he was going to the holy man. So his mother takes him to the holy man, this young boy, and uh, he's so excited and he 
starts quoting and then the holy man asks some questions about about it just to be sure that you know he didn't didn't have time to hear the whole thing and uh and when he got through he said son be careful of your pride um and so that's what he kind of walked away from that experience of memorizing but he probably needed it um and then later on, Sundar Singh goes to a Christian school, uh, not because it was Christian, but because he could learn. And it was right there. He didn't have to go away. And so it was like an um, intermediate school. And he was in this school, and they talked about Jesus and so on. So he heard about Jesus and so on. But he began to have conflicts in his soul over this whole thing and struggles, deep struggles over all of this. And he was a deep thinker. Uh, when you look at his, I have books, I have six books on his life and three of them have his messages, which are unbelievable. Because um, people sat and wrote. There'd be missionaries that would sit where he was teaching and, and would write down what he said. But Sundar Singh, got so discouraged that he was going to kill himself and commit suicide. I think he was 14. I was 16 when I was going to kill myself. So I'm identifying with this man uh, uh, a lot uh, in my life before being saved and then after saved. Uh, and so he wrestles with the Lord at night and just says, Lord, you've got to reveal yourself to me. I, if not, I will go down to the train tracks and lay myself on the train tracks to be run over by the morning express. And that was it. And I was at the same place he was. It wasn't a train. It was a rifle. But I knew exactly what I would do and how I would do it. And uh, God intervened in his life. And God spoke to him. And... Um, he was changed um, at that time. So I would like to share two things from Sadar Singh's life um, that'll help you to understand him to some degree. Um, see, it says on October 3rd, exactly a month after his baptism, uh, Sundar walked away from where he lived. And on his head was a yellow turban and about his body, a yellow robe. He was a holy sadhu and wore that all the rest of his life. Even when he came to America, uh, he did come to visit here. Um, how did he have the money? Uh, someone paid his money and wanted him to share his story here. Uh, when he came here, he also went to Europe and was sickened by what he saw in Europe, European Christianity. It just, he couldn't believe how shallow and nothing there was to it. And uh, as he was traveling across Europe, it was exciting for me because I had read this in another, I have a lot of books, <laughs> read another book. He stayed with Corey Ten Boom's family <laughs> in Holland. So as he was going, they, they wanted to, to talk with him and so on. So it was just a, 
the Christian world's kind of small and wonderful. Well, anyway, he comes to America. And uh, after he was here, they asked him, what did you think? Because he stayed in the homes of American Christians. What did you think of American Christians? And you don't ask him to tell you the truth if you don't want to hear it. And he said two things. First of all, he was shocked at their homes. And he said, what shocked you about their homes? Because he's in Europe too, but in America. He says, in America, their homes are full of things that do nothing. And he couldn't imagine spending all that. You know, he's seeing people starving to death and all of this and that, that these are Christians and they have all this stuff that doesn't do anything. And then secondly, they asked him, uh, what did you think uh, about American Christianity? And he was not nice. Um, he was extremely disappointed. He said, in America, they say, you're from India, and the people there worship false gods. You're idolatry. You're Idol, you're idolatrous. And he said, I saw a worse idolatry in America. And they said, what was that? He says, Americans worship themselves. Um, I hope that doesn't turn you off. He's really a great guy. And he's right on. I mean, you know, he's just, you ask him to say the truth. And Sundar Singh will tell you the truth. And so as after he was baptized and he put on this yellow robe, I want to, um, but he was a sadhu now, but he was different. Uh, it was not the road of solitude that called him. I am not worthy to follow in the footsteps of my Lord, he confessed. But like him, I want no home no possessions. Like him, I will belong to the road, sharing the sufferings of my people, eating with those who give me shelter, and telling all men of the love of God. And you know, God is going to greatly use this man. And he was barefoot. And often, uh, he had a burden for Tibet. You're going to see that in the movie. And he would uh, go up in Tibet when the snow was still on the ground, but they knew where he walked because they saw his bloody footsteps in the snow. He, um, he had such a burden for Tibet. Every year he planned to go as soon as he could possibly go when the snows would be gone and he could go, he would go. And he traveled all over India and he, and he was speaking. Now I want to, share my story and come back to him to where he really helped me. I mean, I was amazed of this man who had grew up wealthy and just left his back on all of that and went out just to share Christ to villages and people 
and some uh, criticized him for his yellow turban and yellow robe. But it was a benefit in a way because when they saw him coming into town, oh, a holy man has come into town and he'll sit down and let's go listen to him. Well, then he would share Christ and you're going to see the suffering he went through and how he was persecuted for talking about Jesus. They expected to him to speak out of the Gita or something, not about Jesus. Well, I grew up... Um, my sister and I were thankful. We grew up two houses from where they, they drew the line for what school you go to. So at the end of the block, if we had lived on the next street, we wouldn't have gone to where we went to school. Now, where we went to school was not really a blessing. I mean, it, it became, it was wonderful school, but it really, it was more wealthy school. It was in the Hollywood area. Uh, we went to school with movie star kids. Uh, we were poor. My sister said in junior high, she didn't know girls had shoes that matched their dresses. <laughs> she only had one pair. <laughs> so we were on, on the edge. So it really wasn't good. I mean, in a long, a long time in my life, it wasn't good. We went to the affluent school with kids that were wealthy. Um, then when I uh, was in high school, I got working at the Greek theater and the, the, the Philharmonic Auditorium uh, and seeing plays in Hollywood and all this kind of stuff. I was really getting citified, uh, you know, to more not realizing I was just being so plunged into this whole thing. Uh, and then I get a job. Uh, or studying at Cedar sinai Hospital uh, to be an x-ray lab technician, and it's the hospital where the movie stars go. And so I would go home, and the family would say, what movie stars did you see today? And I would say, oh, we saw so-and-so and so-and-so. What were they like? Oh, she needed a lot of makeup, or she was beautiful without it, or whatever. He was handsome, or uh, I won't say what movie star. We always called him at the hospital. He was there a lot. The guy with the patent leather hair because he was hairspraying his hair and it was just, like stiff. Uh, anyway, but uh, uh, there was a, a movie star that I had the privilege of working on her with someone else, and it was Marilyn Monroe. If I'd said the other movie stars, they're all dead now, and you wouldn't know basically. But Marilyn Monroe. So I was in that crowd. It was not a a good really a good crowd. I was not a Christian you know, very influential of the crowd. And then even some of my friends uh, got involved in the movies and in traveling in Europe, uh, in the th theater and all this kind of stuff. So that was my my background. Then I, I get saved and it was, it was amazing. Um, I was in the army. My wife was a... Um, telephone operator and we got saved uh, we got I got saved uh, before I went into the army just uh, a few months before I actually was drafted so I was a new Christian my wife was an older Christian but we got engaged on a Sunday and then Sunday night we went back to the church so she could show her ring and tell everybody that we were going to get married 
And there was a movie that we watched from Moody Bible Institute on a student who was martyred in Mexico and how his girlfriend, his fiance, and her friend at Moody were going to replace him to the tribe that killed him and how they went there. Well, we saw this movie, and when it was over, uh, the pastor said, who would like to volunteer or feel God's calling you to be missionaries? And Margaret and I both felt, and we walked forward in the church the night of our engagement and dedicated our lives to be missionaries. Now, it's going to be many, many years before that ever happened, but that was our heart. We wanted to serve God when we got married as missionaries somewhere in the world. Well, after the army, I uh, went to Bible college. Uh, it took me five and a half years or longer to go through it. We had three girls by the time I graduated um, and um, really went through a lot of hard hardships. And God called us to go pastor a church in Aden, California. That church was a hundred miles from, I, well, I would not call a major city. When you live in Los Angeles, you don't call it a major city, but it did have uh, pennies some places like that where you could buy clothes and that because we were a hundred miles up in the mountains uh, from that place. And you, if you wanted to buy clothes, you had to drive 100 miles one way. And when I pastored there, the people looked at me and I was called a flatlander. That was not positive. That was negative. It was like you're citified. You know, here is this guy from Los Angeles, you know, Cement City, up here in the mountains with loggers and cowboys. That's all, the, that's all the people that were there or working somehow in the field. That was it. And not that many people up there anyway, Lutini Country Church. And at the end of my first year, when we went to Los Angeles, I looked for a job because I would never pastor again. I would never want to be a pastor. Um, they didn't want me. Uh, and I couldn't, I didn't fit. I was not a, I was a city slicker and up with a bunch of bumpkins, country bumpkins, and it just wasn't working. And so I, I really, really, really struggled, but I couldn't get a job. And so I had three kids, so I had to go back. So I did go back and someone gave me this book, Sundar Sundar Singh. I I, I thank God that a guy who has a different skin, who uh, wears different clothes and speaks probably English better than me. <laughs> you know? Anyway, to read his book. Uh, but in this book, it says something that totally revolutionized my ministry and changed. I thank God. I wouldn't be talking to you today if it wasn't for Sundar Singh. You got to know that. God brought him into my life. Uh, it's like driving a car and you come to a signal and you know it was there, you know, and it was that. But this, this is something he said. And when I read this, it so grabbed me. I, I could 
hardly, I just got so excited. Um, he's talking about, he was at a train station and it was very hot and overcrowded and just, just the heat was just unbearable. And Sunder watched uh, an Anglo-Indian station master running forward with a cup of water from the uh, refreshment stand to a fainting Brahmin. So here is this Brahmin Indian who fainted in this heat, desperately, you know, needed water. Uh, and when he offered that water, he waved it away. And he was in horror that he would offer him water in a common glass. And um, anyway, um, you're gonna hear and, and read. Um, and so he would not pollute his lips with a common cup, even to save his life. Then a companion from the train appeared with the Brahmin's own brass bowl. And the fainting man clutched the bowl and drank it greedily. As the train moved with the sick man revived, he was safely back in his carriage and Sada turned to those near to him. And he says, that's what I'm always telling my Christian friends. We are offering Christianity in a Western cup and India rejects it. But when it's offered water of life in the Eastern bowl, our people will recognize it and take it gladly. That's extremely important. And it's changed my life. Now, how did that change my life? I was a city slicker speaking to cowboys and to loggers wanting to make them scholars. My, my messages were so deep that they were drowning in them. <laughs> you know, it was like over their head. It was, I was not bringing the message down to their living. I mean, that's almost taught at Bible school. I was like teaching a Bible class at Bible school to these simple men. Many of them had not gone beyond the fifth grade because they went to work. The families needed money, loggers especially. Now, the, the, the cowboys probably went all the way through school, but the loggers did not. One of our best friends, logger, only went to the fourth grade. He was big and tall, so he could get a job and help support the family. Uh, and he was embarrassed about it. I said, you're embarrassed about it. You're, you're the most wonderful guy. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't go to more school and end up like me. <laughs> but see, I was trying to take God's word and not put it on a lower shelf. It was like as I grew up with these people and the theologians I sat under and all this and that, I was not prepared to just talk to plain people, common people. And I'm so thankful for Sundar Singh because if you look at his messages, he did what Jesus did. If Jesus was in a vineyard, he talked about what? 
a, a vine and the branches and abiding. He walks by sheep and he talks about the shepherd and the sheep. And he used where he was. And that's what Sadr Singh did. He did the very same things. He took what people were used to, knew of, and turned it into spiritual truth, wonderful truth. And so I realized that the people were not at fault. It was me. And um, I really confessed before the Lord and I asked them to help me because I could bring messages that they could need and grab a hold of in their daily life. They didn't need deep theology and all this other stuff I was going. Well, I stayed there for five and a half years. And when I got up to leave that church, because they called me to a citified church. Now I'm countryfied, so I don't know if countryfied is going to fit in the citified anyway. But anyway, I, uh, I got up there and I'm crying because I'm telling them I'm leaving. And uh, they said, why are you leaving? I said, you know, I have three daughters. Yeah. One is in high school. Yes. Said, I'm afraid she'll marry one of your sons and I'll be related to the, all of you. I got to get out of here. <laughs> they clapped and laughed. <laughs> but, okay. And then right after that, we had a terrible snowstorm and a man who was moving to town from his ranch, which was 18 miles on a dirt road, no houses between. We're talking about, you ever drove 18 miles to visit someone in your church that goes to your church? on a dirt logging road. Yeah, I did. Anyway, he was coming into town. His car slid off the road a little bit. Now he's lived there his whole life, this, this um, rancher. But he got out of his car and began to walk to town. He wasn't that far, but in a blizzard you can't see. And he had his dog with him, all ranchers have a dog with them. They may go to come to town with the wife or not, but they'll always come with the dog. And <clears throat> so uh, he froze to death. And the dog would run from his body to where this dirt road hit the highway right through the town and, and bark. And people would drive by, oh, there's Thad's dog or, or whatever, you know, and they would but someone said, that's his dog. What's he doing there? Because he, it, it's just not, they don't run, they didn't run 18 miles, uh, you know. So anyway, this guy went and found him uh, frozen in the snow. And so I had, the last thing I had was funeral. The very last thing I did in that church was the funeral. Uh, it was even, because it wasn't we were gone by the next Sunday. So when I I prayed about preaching the funeral, and remember what Sundar Singh did? He used what was happening. If you look at his message, you'll see he used where he was, what was happening, and it turned that into a spiritual lesson. And so I preached on the faithfulness of a dog. And how the dog was at the body. Now, the church was packed out. We had a, another room on the side. It was packed out. 
and then they put some speakers outside at people that didn't get in because everybody came because they the family had been there for all these years. And I preached on that. But I also said he wasn't alone. There's someone who stays closer than a brother because Thad knew the Lord Jesus Christ. He was there with him with his dog. Um, and as they did, even, even then, you stood at the door or whatever, and the people were going out, and there was a, an old, old cowboy. His face looked like a wallet. If you've ever seen these guys that are just out in the sun all day long on horseback, it was leathery type, a lot of wrinkles, never came to the church except the funerals. And he's going out the door, and he looked at me, and he said, Logan. I said, yes. I hear you're leaving. I said, yeah. This is too bad. I said, why? He said, you're just getting good. That was, that guy gave me the greatest gift in leaving because this certified Hollywood stupid pastor finally connected, finally connected. And so I, I learned that as I've gone to reservations to speak. I need to understand where are they? What, what can I use in their life? And I've been all over the world and I've done this Sundar thing. Take what's happening, where they are, and turn it into your message. And you connect with the people, and I've connected with people all over the world. Uh, so I, I just want to tell you, you won't be able to probably get this book. It's probably out of print. But why not watch this man's life? A man who, who walked away from wealth and prestige. I mean, his father was very, very whatever. He became famous, but he didn't know that. And walked barefoot to villages to share Christ. Father, I thank you for bringing Sundar Singh into my life and how he changed my life. And where I wanted to run away from the church, I wept because I had to go, because I was called somewhere else. And it was all because of Sundar Singh. I know you led me to him, Lord, and then all the books I was able to read and get on his life. But I thank you for this man who realized that often we put blocks, like becoming English to be a Christian, um, putting American traditions on people overseas. I know a Bruco who led a bunch of Indians to Christ uh, in South America, and they lived in round houses. So he built a round church, and everybody got upset. Churches are always square. Uh, Lord, forgive us. Uh, for our wrong thinking. And Lord, may we put the cookies on the lower shelf. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow.